Bruce Newberry. The food dude. We are here at the uh, Wayberry Inn here in uh, East Middlebury as the snow flies. <laughs> The end of March, the beginning of April, this is craziness. And uh, everybody is talking about the weather and how uh, the season just won't let go. But, you know, there's a lot to recommend it. Like, think about think about the ski lodge and the warmth of the lodge after you come in off the slopes and the smell of waffles. Yes, nothing like it, especially for those early morning runs, or even if you just step outside like I just did a few minutes ago in 12-degree uh, weather. But we uh, have some sunshine, and, you know, I could go for some waffles right now. So, you know, I can smell those waffles, and they're fresh from the waffle iron, and in the waffle cabin, and that is the atmosphere that we love to think about and it's a great it's a great winter experience. Winter is not all bad. So how about if we had that experience when we went into our ski shop or our sporting goods shop later on in the year? Well, that's the idea. Hey, you know the waffle cabin uh, at the at the ski lodges? Well, what if we stuck one of those in a store that sold ski stuff but sports stuff too? How would that go? Well, that's the idea behind uh, the waffle cabin that you're going to see in uh, perhaps an unexpected place. And here to talk about it is the man from the waffle cabin, Peter Kreif, who joins us here in the uh, broadcast bistro today. Peter, nice to see you. My pleasure being here. It's good to uh, good to talk to you. See, winter is not all bad, is it? Uh, to be honest, I actually I really like winter. So, a little background here. Go I'm ahead. actually from Belgium, and in Belgium we have not so much of a season. We our winters are not as cold. Our summers are not as warm. Um, rains a lot. Kind of Seattle kind of weather. And so, um, living up here in Vermont, I honestly really do like the seasons. Um, you have your four distinct seasons, and it's it, it's awesome. I really do like winter, um, and yeah, winter without a nice cup of, of uh, hot chocolate, yes, and a warm waffle, yes, nothing like it. There so, you go. So we got it at that. Now, is there is there a legitimate Belgian waffle connection here, or is it like French fries? Ha. Huh. Well, um, good question. Um, in Belgium, we have several kinds of waffles. Yes. We've got the what we call the Liège waffle. Liège is a city in Antwerp, in uh, Belgium yes. that uh, where this waffle originated. We've got the Brussels waffle, and then there's some other variants. But these are the two main um, types that of waffles that we have over there. When in 1963, a uh, Belgian guy came over to the World's Fair and made his Brussels waffles, which is our, they're a batter kind of waffle. Um, he did this at this one. Now, is that, is that a thick waffle? That's a, Exactly. It's about a, a little bit over an, an inch thick. Right. And um, and it's batter. It's relatively light and fluffy. Uh, again, like I said, with a batter. And you uh, jazz it up with powdered sugar, yes. uh, strawberries, whipped cream, typically. Um, so when he was doing that, um, he had a line out the door and Americans, business people as they are, it's like, shoot, this has some potential. And they basically copied um, the Brussels waffle, calling it the Belgian waffle. And unfortunately, in my opinion, um, they kind of um, bastardized it a little bit. Sure. It, instead of, because if you want to do it well, 
um, you actually make it with yeast. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is there is there a distinct way? Is there a distinct ingredient that or a makeup of that batter? There is, and I mean, it's not rocket science. It's um, when you make good bread, what you do, you use a leavener, and that could be a natural leavener, sure. such as a sourdough or a, like a sourdough starter or yeast. These are. Um, I don't want to get too scientific, but they're single-cell organisms. And what they do is they take sugar, they turn it into carbon dioxide, CO2. It's what you exhale. It's a gas. Yes. And alcohol, which is why they also use it in beer making. Sure. In bread making, you're not so much interested in the alcohol part, um, and which only comes at a later stage. But you are interested in the carbon Monoc- uh, right, the because carbon that's going to puff up that waffle. That, that is what makes it rise. Yes, exactly. And that's, now, where does where does malt come in? Malt is basically a flavoring. It's basically just a flavoring. But I mean, that makes a difference, though, in those authentic waffles, right? Well, in, again, in our waffles, our Brussels waffles, we don't even have any malt in There's it. There's no it malt. Doesn't need okay. any malt. Um, so we're just taking this thing and we're making it up as we go along. The actual, the actual Brussels waffle, as you talk about, is a, it's a puffy waffle. It's a, it's a, it's a light, airy waffle. Yes. Very, very different. Um, and so, but the, the thing that is important here is when you make something with yeast, whether it's a bread or a waffle or anything, mm-hmm. when yeast does what it needs to do, which is that carbon, that taking sure. sugar, Mm-hmm. Turn to carbon monoxide, uh, carbon dioxide, not monoxide, carbon dioxide yes. and alcohol. Um, there's a third element that comes into play and which is extremely important is there is also a change in flavor. Anything with yeast will give a great flavor, um, which you don't have with, let's say, a soda bread. Um, anything with excellent point. We were just soda. talking about soda bread last week with St. Patrick's Day, and it, the soda bread needs that Irish butter to bring out that flavor. Correct, because there's there is no yeast. Correct, there is it's the, the soda is what is actually leavening that bread in the yeast. That's what makes it makes it spring and makes it pop as well as makes it puff. It gives it a it gives Correct. it a light flavor and it gives it kind of a high end flavor. Correct, exactly, and it, it basically makes the difference between. A, a good Brussels waffle, which has that flavor, um, but it doesn't have any sweetness, but versus the typical American Belgian waffle, for lack of a better word, sure. um, that you see like at a Denny's, at a High Hop, and, and so forth, the Waffle House. Sure, um, or at a, at a great diner or someplace yeah. like that. Now, you make them so fast at the waffle cabin. Now, let me, let me go back here. These are the, these are the, um, um, the Brussels waffles. We actually make the Liège waffles. So our waffles are very, again, they're, instead of a batter, yes. they're made from a dough. So I don't want to get off of the, on the That's Brussels okay. waffle. That's okay. It's so interesting. So our waffle, the Liège waffle, is made of a dough. Like, try to visualize a pizza dough ball. The only, well, the only, the difference with pizza dough balls and our waffle dough is it has already butter in it. We actually use what we call what is called clarified butter, which is the very best part yes. of the butter. It's called the butter fat. It has all the flavor in it. Um, so we use butter that's already in the dough, I've, and like I said, we use yeast, so it creates that extra flavor when you make it rise. But it, there's also vanilla in it. There is sugar in it. So um, the last element, which is uh, very important, there is a product called pearl sugar. 
in it. Pearl sugar is, um, as a pearl, it's not a uniform little uh, round ball, but it's um, sort of like the size of a pearl, about um, a quarter to a half inch diameter, sort of, plus or minus. And it goes in that dough ball and it sits in the dough. And some of these pieces, they kind of stick their head out and you can see them when you're looking at the dough ball. Um, now, when we cook this waffle, there's something very unique about this waffle that no other waffle has, none. We are uh, talking waffles here with the uh, waffle maker, Peter Kreif from the Waffle Cabin. So there's one, one ingredient. Correct. Yep. The, so, um, like I said, you've got the bird, the butter, uh, you got uh, vanilla, no biggie, um, even though still, yeah, it's important. But the very, very unique part about this waffle, other than that it's a dough instead of a batter, is that pearl sugar. Now, what happens when we, so we proof the dough and we cook it in a waffle iron. Um, what happens is something very special, which is that pearl sugar that's inside that dough is going to melt and it's going to create sort of like sweet pockets. It's going to make the waffle sweet by itself already. So it doesn't need any extra sweetness. But here's the, the best part is the waffle of uh, the uh, pearl sugar that is kind of sticking their head out where you can actually see them. Yeah. They hit that hot cast iron and they caramelize. And caramel, when it goes from white regular sugar to darker caramel, that golden brown, it actually, tend, what it does is it will reduce in sweetness, but it will add in flavor um, to that point that when you brown it very dark, it will actually become much less sweet and will have a lot of flavor. And the funny thing is when you go too far, you're going to burn sugar and what's going to happen is it will have zero sweetness. It will actually be bitter and it will have a very, very strong taste. So it goes from one end to completely the other. Wow. And the part that when you bake something with sugar like that, that caramelizes, is you want to find that right happy medium of golden brown. Sure, sure. But the, so we take all of that magic and that alchemy and we bring it into one waffle that smells so good and is so inviting at the waffle cabin. Correct. And so... And so fast. Well, yeah. One of the things that when... Um, so I was, before I came to the United States, I worked for about a year and a half to two years with my tutor, Leo, um, on making waffles, uh, making, uh, making the dough, so the whole thing from A to Z. And um, when I came to the United States, um, I'm the one who created also our recipe. And I created a recipe that is a little bit different, in my opinion, better also, but also it is meant for freshly baking and freshly serving the waffle. So yes. when you come to the waffle cabin, the idea is you will have a freshly made waffle right there. And that's exactly the attraction of it. And what happens when we bake it fresh is you got that aroma. That's it. It just Bruce, fills the that whole aroma place. Is, <laughs> the, here's what I, the way when I explain some people uh, about this waffle is the aroma is what brings you in. It's what I have had people coming up to me and saying, to the waffle cabin and saying, what the hell it is that you're making out here? I don't know what it is, but I want one. I want one. So that is the secret. And now you're bringing it beyond the ski slopes. We don't have to go mountain climbing or skiing to, to get one of these. We can go shopping. 
Exactly, and that's the uh, it's very the, the, exciting. The, 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 the again a very new thing. So we have been growing in ski resorts because we've been doing it very well, and it, you can see us in many, many, many different ski resorts. Um, we've also started going in different um, avenues, but here in Vermont, where we are so big, is um, Alpine Ski Shop. Yes, which um, is a retail store. But they're very known for their um, ski gear, and but also for other stuff such as golf and so forth. Um, they really wanted to bring that waffle experience sure. to their clientele. Yeah, so, so they're moving. They were at they were in one location for many many years, yep. and now they're moving down to uh, another location on Shelburne Road, Route Seven, uh, right there on the the million dollar mile, and. Yep. Right there in in the Alpine ski shop is going to be a brand new waffle cabin. Exactly, it's That's a very great. unique uh, thing. I I don't know if anybody else is doing it. I don't think so. And um, so Andy contacted us. We were very uh, happy to see how we could help. And so he is going to create a completely different shopping experience. It'll have that waffle cabin, so you can get your waffle. It'll have a little bar, so you could have something. It's just another, a, a completely different shopping experience so that he's interesting. creating. So you can w go in there and have a waffle if you like, or maybe yeah. have coffee or something like that. Exactly. Terrific. It's going to be open all the time that the store is open? I don't know the hours that that's, but I would More say... More or less. Uh, yeah. Sure. Well, that's exciting. And the store is about to open. Correct. In just a, a few weeks, uh, a couple of weeks, I would say. In Great. a week or two, 10 days. <laughs> and it'll be open all year round and with exactly. all the kinds of, of uh, items for other sports as well. But the waffles will go on year yeah. round. That's, so is that a new experience for you to make these waffles year round, Peter? Um, not in, in a retail store, yes. But we've had uh, one of the new... Um, avenues that we've been going is um, food truck, food trailer. So we oh, have sure. a couple of our franchisees that are doing the waffles year-round from a food truck or a food trailer. Wow. All right. Are you, do you have any of those in southern New England that you know of? Um, there's one in Connecticut. There we go. There is. Uh, so that's still New England. Oh, I wonder and then, if they're going to come because there's a food truck festival that's coming to Fort Adams in Newport, in Newport, Rhode Island. And okay. there's going to be food trucks from all over the place. So we'll have to check and, and watch for that. What, what is the name of the truck? Is it a waffle cabin it's a truck? a waffle cabin truck. Oh, how about that? Yeah. That's great. And there are, there are, some, there are some folks who have kind of gone in that direction and have uh, and specialize in a waffle not yours necessarily because only a waffle cabin waffle is a waffle cabin waffle but uh, <laughs> but uh, boy we can't wait to try this out this is fantastic so you've given us the secrets of 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 real liege waffles and the brussels waffles and all of the rest here this has been a, a waffle education peter Cripe. we really appreciate it it's a, yeah it is a little bit um you, what do you think? You you would never think that so much goes into a waffle, right? Who knew? <laughs> and 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 I thought I knew, right? Uh, I I thought I knew the secrets of you know. Well, this makes this and this makes this. Now, when you have, there's one of my favorite things to do is to go into the Blue Plate Diner in Middletown, Rhode Island, and have chicken and waffles. Ha! Huh. One of the greatest yep. things. Now, do you offhand do do the liege waffles go well with the fried chicken? You could, of course. Um, or do you need a sweeter waffle to kind of kind of counteract that? Um, well, I to be honest, I haven't tried the chicken and waffle oh, thing. Oh, so well, I, you you and I have to go and do some serious eating, my friend. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit of a purist, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, you'll but love this. That said, um, um, one of our uh, 
franchisees in uh, Winter Park, Colorado. They've got some cabins on the slope, but they've got a waffle cabin in the Winter Park Village. And one of the things that they do is for breakfast, they will do the Liege waffle with bacon. It's sort of like a salty caramel oh, kind of thing. yeah. It actually is good. That sounds good. It is good. <laughs> and then for lunch, they'll do like a, instead of the, the chicken and waffles, they will actually do a Liege waffle with pulled pork and pulled beef. Very good too. That so even for good. a purist, yeah. I gotta say it, <laughs> it blew me away. Head Peter, good for you. Well, how can we find out more information about Waffle Cabin? Um, well, quite simply, you can go to the website. Uh, but also, I would say, uh, what is the website? Give us the website. Uh, so it's www.wafflecabin.com. Excellent. But uh, for those who've never had a waffle, because obviously, if you're not a skier then you might not even know about these right. waffles. That's the crazy part. So um, I would almost say um, go ahead to the Alpine shop and try it and you'll see. The aroma is what makes you, what, what lures you to the waffle cabin, as I say, especially on the ones on the slope. But it's the, the quality and the taste of the waffle that will make you come back again and again. Excellent. All right. This sounds great. Um, so good to talk to you and to get this waffle education. Best of luck in the new location in the Alpine shop on Shelburne Road when it opens. Thank you. And thanks for visiting us here at the Wayberry Inn today. Oh my God, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bruce. Fantastic. You're the food dude. I like that. The dude with the food. That's me. Well, let's talk cookies. And we have come to visit at Vermont Cookie Love. We're here at Cookie Headquarters with Matt Bonama. How are you? Fantastic. We're, we're excited for spring and excited to have you sitting here with us. It is so great to be here and so great to think about all of these cookie flavors for spring. I mean, we're just at that point where the seasons have changed or are changing. Sometimes they change in the same day. Yes, they do. But it's springtime in Vermont and we've had a taste of spring weather, so we are ready for something that will uh, remind us of that. And uh, I think you've got some ideas on that as well here at Vermont Cookie Love. Absolutely. We've got a couple of fun items planned for spring and for April specifically here. I think the first one is we've got a uh, cookie of the month that we are starting to debut here at Vermont Cookie Love. And the first one on that list is going to be a maple brown sugar cookie that we've developed with a great maple icing on top of it as well. So obviously do a lot of maple syrup here the sap is still flowing these days with the change of weather so we wanted to celebrate that by really using these local ingredients and getting that amazing taste of spring in vermont well your timing couldn't be better because this maple season has been so good uh, especially since we had a a bit of a clunker last year Uh, this one is so much better we're getting just that perfect that perfect uh, rhythm of the cold nights and the little warmer days and boy the sap is running and we can't wait for this year's maple crop absolutely we take pains to try to use those local ingredients and really try to celebrate what Vermont brings to the table as a state in terms of food and beverage. So we're looking forward to showing that off to everyone in April. So can you take us into that cookie a little bit, Matt? Uh, I mean, is there a particular source of maple that you use? Uh, We use a uh, local fellow here in town, David Allen, who's 
who we've been using for many, many years. He does a great job. And he's a sugar maker. He's a sugar maker. Oh, that's and great. So we, we love what they do, and we think they've got a great product, and it goes really well with, with the cookies and the various other applications we use it for here. It means so much when you know the person that's doing the producing, and Maple is no exception. I get the biggest kick out of being able to say to people, oh, you know, this is the story here, and here's David Allen, and he taps the trees, and he knows where to go, and knows when the time is right and all that. Uh, I think that that adds so much to the enjoyment of this cookie. So you mentioned maple and brown sugar. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's it's a great combination where you get a, a really chewy, flavorful, moist cookie with the, the maple icing on top. It's, it mm. uses maple as a base, so you get sort of that second hit of the maple. The cookie itself is not too sweet, but then obviously you put the icing on top and you get a little bit of that extra punch as well as that extra maple flavor there. So... We, we really think people are going to love the cookie, and, and if they like it enough, some of these cookies of the month we hope will uh, come and go and come back again. Sure. And some of them, you know, if, if people are liking them enough, we'll just add to the menu and keep you around. Very exciting. So our first cookie of the month, what's its official name? We are still working on that, oh, so we're my. going to unveil it in the next week or so okay. as we get there. We've got a good chance there's the word love in it, though. Good chance there's the word <laughs> love in it, yes, sir. So we'll, okay. uh, when when people come and see us, they'll they'll see All where right. we finally landed here. It's the first cookie of the month. Yes, it's going to be yes. a maple brown sugar cookie. You are going to love it, and it is going to have love in its name. Absolutely. So get ready for that. Talk about some of the other spring tastes that we might run into here at Vermont Cookie Love the Spring Mat. Absolutely. So uh, we're working on a couple of other uh, Cookie of the Month, so some new flavors that you uh, may see. Some of them are work in progress, so yeah, some of them we may hit a wall with, as we have with some of these <laughs> other ones. So don't get too upset if you show up and we don't have one of these yet, but we're uh, working on a butter cookie that's actually a jam-filled cookie. Oh, how nice. So uh, we're working on that both as potentially a thumbprint cookie, which people are familiar Love those. with from home. Yeah. Or also actually sort of enrobing the cookie around the jam, so it's more of a filled cookie. Wow. So is that tricky to do that? I mean, I can see it with chocolate. Is it tricky to do it with jam? It is with jam just because it never really... Uh, we Our freezer here is negative uh, 10, so it can freeze things pretty oh, okay. solid. But even with something as sort of sugary and sticky as jam, it never quite freezes. You don't get an ice cube, so it's a, it's a little bit of an adventure to work with. It has a mind of its own. Yes, so we're, we're trying to figure out if we can overcome that or if we want to just do it as more of, call it a thumbprint cookie or something sure. that people are familiar with. And those are so great. They look great. They look great on a cookie plate or a cookie tray, and uh, they're going to be, of course, a great flavor here uh, in the springtime. What else are you looking at for this spring? So the other thing people will see as they come and visit us, uh, especially in the back half of April, is that creamies are coming back. Yes. So the the weather is slowly getting nice. And even honestly, when it's 20 degrees outside, Doesn't we have people matter. asking about creamies. So we are super excited. The staff is excited. I know our customers are excited and we're going to have all of the great creamies back that we have every year. And I know that people will be 
lined up and excited to be having those. So get ready. Is there going to be like a countdown clock out front or anything, Matt? Everyone should be checking our social media All accounts right. for those. We're going to shout that from the rooftops <laughs> the second we have it. If you drive past uh, every day or weekly, you may have seen we have a big kind of creamy ice cream cone that we stick in the lawn out front. Yes. So if you happen to miss our social media, that will also be the clue to pull on in because we're ready to go. Now you know. This is high-level information here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so glad that we get to go inside. We go inside the cookie. We go inside the creamy. And we're getting the high-level information here at uh, Vermont Cookie Love. And, of course, we have our uh, assortments and our, our regular flavors that can go anywhere. Absolutely right. So we sell uh, gift boxes via our website. Those have been increasingly popular over the winter and here in the spring. So they're a fantastic gift to send to anyone. We mail the cookies out the same day we bake them. So typically you place an order and if you place that at 6 p.m. the night before, we'll usually have it in the mail at 9 a.m. the next day having baked the cookies an hour before they actually go out. So oh, man. the people who are getting them are getting the freshest possible experience and who doesn't love getting a big old box of cookies in the mail? One so of the best things you could get. You'll look forward to seeing the, the delivery person, the post person, the, the <laughs> whoever it is that uh, comes up the walk. That'll be something to look forward to. And just in case there's somebody that doesn't know Matt Bonomo, where are you located? We are located in North Ferrisburg, so we're right on Route 7, right around the Ferrisburg-Charlotte border here, so just get on Route 7, you won't, you won't miss us. You won't miss it, look for Vermont Cookie Love, look for that creamy cone out front, and uh, when it's the time is right, you're going to know about it. All right, well, here's hoping, to, here's hoping that uh, this spring is tremendous, and I think it will be, and you've gotten it off to a good start. Thanks very much for letting us spend some time with you here at Vermont Cookie Love. Thanks so much for having us. So here we are at Backdoor Bread Company in Charlotte, Vermont, with a couple of ex-Rhode Islanders. Well, well, three of us, actually. I'm not really an ex-Rhode Islander. I'm a dual citizen, but uh, <laughs> Lynn and J Jim Williams... Great to see you. Great nice to, to see, see you, Bruce. How are you? This is uh, tremendous. So so glad that uh, I, I have a chance to visit with you here at Backdoor Bread. Yeah, we're glad you made it up here. This is fantastic. So you escaped Rhode Island. <laughs> you had a, a bakery Barely. that uh, we all know and love called Seven Stars. And uh, you put that on the map and then fled. Yeah, it wasn't quite that simple. We were there for a good 20 years. <laughs> You sure were. But everybody everybody knows certainly the bakery, and, and you all put it on the map. And uh, so here you are in this lovely place in on this beautiful rolling hillside here in Charlotte, Vermont, uh, with all of this wonderful bread and creations and things. You, you know, we, we've kind of gotten snarky about it. We say, oh, we're living the dream. You guys are living the dream. We are. We are. I think we're living. We the didn't dream. think we were yesterday when it, when it was what temperature? It, two? it was a feel like one degree like yesterday. One degree. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It definitely is. We're a little bit behind spring compared to Providence. I was going to say we call this spring in Vermont. This is definitely spring in Vermont. Yes. It is a chilly, <laughs> chilly day today. Yes. But other than that, I would say that we're we're pretty close to living the dream. You're making feel very this, lucky. Yes, and you're making all of this wonderful artisan bread and some other things that we're going to talk about and making the people in the neighborhood very happy. Mm -hmm. And you guys look happy. 
Mm-hmm. I think we are. Yeah. It was always Jim's um, pipe dream since he started baking that someday he could run a one-man show. And he had started that when we were in Rhode Island. He started the Backdoor Bread Project. We had gotten a mill, a stone mill, and we were milling whole grains for seven stars, milling all the whole grain, as they still do, for seven stars. And he said, I'm going to start a side project where I'm making 100% whole grains. And that was about two years or three years before we sold the business. Yeah. A few years. He would sell it at the farmer's market, the Pawtucket farmer's market and the Hope Street farmer's market. And it was sort of the seedling for this idea. On of, Hope Street every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a seedling for this idea of what would we do if we ever left and did something different? And here so, we are. Here we are. And here you are doing something. In the garage. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a, is it a garage or a barn? Well, I think in Vermont they call it a barn. But yes, it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a, gar- a garage barn. All right. Yeah. Most barns wouldn't be insulated, and they wouldn't have real doors. It was and... built as a two-car garage, really. Yeah. Gotcha. Just looks barny. Well, it looks bakery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the there's the mill. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's uh, all kinds of stuff going washable on here. Walls and, and, and bread ovens, walls. and this is great. How many kinds of bread are you baking here? Uh, between, I, I usually do seven, eight, nine breads, all 100% whole grain, all mostly different varieties of wheat, uh, so, and, and one that's 100% rye. Wow. So you make a rye, you make a, uh, what, what are the differences with the wheat bread? Are they different flavors, textures? Yeah, all the different varieties uh, taste and act a little different. So, Such as? Um, well, uh, the Aurora 1109 is the one that, that we just started growing here a couple years ago. Nitty Gritty Grain started growing. Uh, so that's one of the varieties. That's called a hard red uh, winter wheat. Um, they do another variety called Redeemer that we use a bit of. Khorasan is one of the old ancient grains. Now, if you bake those up into loaves and we had a slice, could we tell, oh, this is the Aurora, this is the Redeemer? Yep. How could we, what would be the difference? They just, they're just different. They have different aromas. They have different flavors. They have different colors. They're not all... Lighter in flavor, uh, more, a stronger flavor? Yeah. I mean, I like, for example, the Khorasan is like almost buttery. It has sort of a creamy color yeah. to, the, to the crumb. And it has, a, I don't know how to describe it in like a creamier texture. Yes, no, we're with you. Yeah, and um, and the Aurora and the Redeemer, I always tell people, are more sort of what, like what you're thinking of when you think of whole wheat, that sort of earthy. Yes, darker uh, color. Darker color, flavor. And you can taste, you, you feel like you're tasting the grain. Right, and it. I For mean, sure. the way Jim has described it to me before is it's not any different than tomatoes or grapes where there's sort of like a general flavor of course but like all the different varieties of tomatoes there are just as many varieties of wheat and um so they all lend different uh characteristics and i think you also feel that in the just making of the bread right they all act a little differently yeah they all act a little different they all ferment a little different they smell a little different they smell different when they're being milled um, and unlike commodity wheat, which we've always used, uh, most mills will buy 
wheat from a farmer. They have no idea what they're buying. It's blended to spec and then milled and that's it. But we're, we're using different varieties. So we're, we're able no to blending. tell the difference between the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're able to tell the difference between the different varieties. Sure. Uh, we're right with you. You could be talking about grapes to put in wine. You could be yeah. talking about tomatoes to, to do different things. Sure. It makes, it makes perfect sense. It's exciting when you think about what you've been able to do with, first of all, with this local, this local grower mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. nitty gritty. I mean, literally they're, they're growing for you. Well, they're growing for for I mean, they're, you know, the Champlain Valley, yes. but they're uh, it, it is a father and son. They're pretty much it. They're super hardworking people. They're really nice, good people. And uh, when we approached them to try something new, they they jumped at it. So, um, and that's kind of how they are. So now they have another wheat that they can work with. Because one of the one of the issues with farming, obviously, is is uh, you know it's a big insurance plan. Right? Sure. Like, they're, they're planting in October-ish, late September, October, and harvesting in July. Wow. It's in the ground that long. So um, having another variety that they can think of would, would help with that. And there are some new varieties that are coming along with the help of people like you. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a supporter of that for sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's being done in other parts of the country, developing yeah. these new types of, of grain, such as this Aurora, that's going to be more uh, resistant, more resilient, uh, more adaptive to things like climate change, changing season, the goofiness of the Vermont spring and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's our hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And the results have been pretty good. This is this was a brand new thing, as you pointed out, that the that these growers had kind of tried out with you. Yeah, and they and it it's worked. Yeah, it worked well enough the first year that they decided to plant four times more the second year. So we're going into the second year. We'll see how the harvest is this year. That's great. But um, now, what is it, what is the bread that is made from the flour that's made from that grain taste like? Uh, it's, it's one of the hard red wheats. So it's, it's one Hardy. of the, what we would mm-hmm. sort of consider whole wheat, right? Sure. It's a dark reddish color. It's, uh, it's really aromatic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, has a very, um. Is it coarse in texture or is it smooth? What would you say? It's, well, everything that, that we're doing here, we're milling, all the flour we're milling pretty fine. Um, so it's never going to be, um, sort of. Um, really f- fluffy, for a lack of a better word. Sure, no, that's that a good has, word. Has like white white flour bread, right? Because it always going to be all the bran and everything in it. Yeah, so it's always going to be a little denser. But okay, it's um, but considering it's whole wheat, it's pretty. But Jim mills his flour incredibly fine, and so you know we use it in the house to make pancakes or muffins or that kind of stuff, and. It's it's nothing like a bag of whole wheat that you buy at the grocery store. Amazing. It's much... You can um, pretty much make any baked good with this flour and make slight adjustments, but for the most part, you can swap it yeah. equal. You're making hot cross buns these days. Mm. Tis the season. <laughs> it is the season, yes. So do you use this flour in that? Yeah, maybe the only whole wheat hot cross buns on earth. Why maybe. not? <laughs> Well, it's probably yeah. pretty close to, you know, what the original was. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. probably. I don't know the history behind them, but yeah, probably. 
Yeah. So. Uh, and and now what what else will go into the hot cross bun has raisins. Yep, raisins, uh, golden raisins, candied orange peel. Yes. Cinnamon, nutmeg, cardamom, sourdough, milk, salt, right. milk, no sugar, eggs. No eggs. No yeah. eggs. Is that it? I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, and our we have a pretty uh, pretty steady um, customer base here in terms of regulars that come yeah. this week and most weeks. And so when Jim throws in these little specials here and there for the season, mm, they do um, well. Yeah, he made uh, usually stolen it's, at Christmas usually it's time. Ooh, nice. perfect by the last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I forget what I did for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do you do the neighbors order from you, or do you just bake it and and then uh, put it here in the kind of store in the barn, and people come by, or how does it work? So we we do have an order form on our website, and um, it's probably half and half. People place a pre order, and uh, then they can come anytime they want on Fridays all day, um, and then the other half is just free for all. It's a uh, bread that's just available waiting for people to come and sometimes we sell out early sometimes late best to come early you bet all right <laughs> we're remembering our, our many years of retail and trying to guess it's a very hard guess you <laughs> never know guess. you never know you never know well if someone up. would like to come by where are you uh well probably the easiest thing to remember is backdoorbread.com and our website or our address is on there. Okay, excellent. Um, but well, we're in Charlotte, Vermont. Right near Philo Ridge Farm. Near Philo Ridge Farm. 710 Hinesburg Road. You get the best meat and vegetables in the summer, at least, that yes. they'll ever Across get. Across the street. Well, Philo Ridge is amazing. They do events and they do dinners. And yeah. it, it's really a total experience. And as you say, the, the ingredients are just off the chart, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, do they use your bread? They uh, do. They do. Yeah. There yeah. we go. They're actually our only wholesale account. How yeah. nice. Yeah, Kevin. We like rice. it that way. Right. Jim, Jim makes a hundred percent rye that's grown up in Greensboro, um, and Kevin, the chef at Philo Ridge, um, shaves it really thin and makes crisps out of it and and always serves it with some kind of amazing meaty goodness like whether it's some chicken pate or you know yummy something and carpaccio i think was the latest one. yeah wow yeah, yeah really good um so yeah they're supporters where it they've been amazing neighbors to have mm -hmm. fantastic yeah been so great to visit with you today here at uh, Backdoor Bread. So happy that I kind of stumbled. And I will tell you where I, where I found you. You got listed in Food and Wine mm. as having That's the right. best bread in Vermont. Along with a few. They did name others. Just disclaimer. I that, think Elmore Mountain was named in that Yes. Article. Yeah, that's right. Elmore Mountain was did, in there. They, yes. did, they did throw out a... Yeah, that was awesome. And I said, wait, I know these guys from, <laughs> from Rhode Island. So, <laughs> so we had to come and visit. So, uh, so, so glad to uh, know that you're doing well. lead to Rhode Island. Yes, they do. Maybe vice versa. <laughs> Maybe yeah. vice versa. The, the pipeline between Rhode Island food and Vermont food is uh, amazing, and it is uh, growing every day. Uh, it's so great to talk to you guys, and all the best. Uh, to you guys and Backdoor Bread. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for coming by. Good to talk to you. Thank you. You're dining out with the food dude, Bruce Newbery. 
Well, we're back here at the Starry Night Cafe with Chef Robert Smith. Robert, where are we today? We're in the porch. Nice. Yeah. This is a great place. This is a great place. This has the fireplace, and it's windowed on all sides, so you get a great view of, of the changing season, really. We're going into early spring. Yes. Yeah, you get to see the pond, our patio, uh, our other dining room as well, and our beautiful fireplace. Yeah, and you really get a sense of what might happen as we get a little warmer weather. The tulips will come up, people will want to sit outside and things like that. Yeah, we have an herb garden that uh, we have people take care of, so we get to use the freshest Fantastic. herbs and nasturtium and flowers like that. Oh, so great. So in the meantime, though, we're not sitting around waiting for things to come up. You have such wonderful, hearty things that people are just uh, really, really just enthused over, like this ragu, the short rib ragu. Talk about that. Well, it's um, it's kind of flavored, inspired by the south of France, which is a place that I've never visited, but working at Providence, uh, Chef Michael's flavors are harmonious to that, and it just kind of instilled in me. So the things I love are orange and olives and bay, um, Pernod, things like that. Pernod's not in this, but it's a, it's a braise. We marinate uh, beef in white wine, aromatics, bay, orange for a couple hours. And then we braise that in white wine, bay, orange, shallots. We have some bacon in there to give it some smokiness, um, a lot of chopped parsley. But it is kind of like a peasant ragu. That is the sure. nature of it. Um, and then it gets braised for a couple hours. We let it rest overnight uh, to really set up and get the juices settled. And then the next day we uh, come in with our hands and kind of tear it apart. Not in like any specific shape or way. We want some chunks and some little shreds. When it heats up, it all kind of melts and it just turns into the sauce. Yeah. Um, but you And you want to... You're keeping it rustic, so you're not yes. going to cut that. You're going no. to actually pull it, but it's not pulled like a pulled pork. No, I wouldn't say that. I would just say it's... Because uh, pulled pork is more uniform. You're yeah. getting some kind of uneven, yeah. again, rustic... Different textures. Different textures, that's the word, yes. Um, and then, so on the pickup... Also, this is served over house-made tagliatelle made by myself. Uh, it's an egg noodle... And it's a good portion. Mm. Uh, it, it'll fill you up. I yeah, promise you that. Um, for sure. But we're not done yet. No. We've got some, some more things to so add to the we, alchemy here. Yeah. On, when we get an order in, we take our meat and we put it in a pan. We get a little bit of the braising liquid, additional fat from the braise, a ladle of the pasta water. Um, we also add chopped pepperoncinis and some of the pickled pepperoncini liquid and Castle Ventrana olives. Um, some carrots that have been glazed, uh, braised in orange and butter, and a little bit of chopped turnip for white color. Wow. Little tiny ones. Um, those actually are cut nicely. Um, so that <laughs> all gets warmed going up. On. And then um, pasta's finished, tossed in the ragu, and then a little pecorino cheese. And then at the last minute on top, we like to put um, the smoked anchovy pesto that wow. we make yeah i wanted to because it's the south of france and it like ocean is there and anchovies are there and right. that flavor is there um 
And because it's spring, I wanted to use mint instead of basil. So yes. It's, it's super fresh. It's made with carrot, carrot, orange zest, smoked Marcona almonds, olive oil, capers, and uh, smoked anchovies. That oh, we, my god! We smoke all right behind you. With, we can show you that after, but sure. just behind that cobblestone fire. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So really on the premises here. Yeah, yeah. That's we have amazing. two smokers back there. That's amazing. So yeah. we've got the smokiness... But we've got some tang, as you say, of the ocean. Yeah. The salinity from the ocean definitely yes. carries through. And then I love pecorino cheese, sheep's milk. It's just grated and wow. dusted on top. It's, I, I'm pretty proud of this one. How much spice is there from those pepperoncini? I would give it a six and a half to seven out okay. of ten. I mean, so we haven't had anybody say anything yet other than they love it. What's not to love? <laughs> um, a guest asked... The recipe the other night, and that was kind of cool. And she was concerned if she would taste the wine flavor, um, and she was assured that she didn't. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A couple Isn't hours of that braising. Amazing. Wow. And we had someone who was in here and had that a couple of weeks ago, and they were raving about it two weeks later. Yeah. And said it was just an incredible dish. Yeah. They were that nice. is phenomenal. Wow. So that is. So ask for what? The short rib ragu. Um. I what do we call that? Our servers are calling a south of France beef braise over um, tagliatelle. Okay. I'm sure they juge it up a little bit more. <laughs> um, Leslie, our lead server, can definitely make nice... Okay. Yeah. So you want to come in and ask for that south of France braise with all of the wonderful ingredients. That is fantastic. So we're not done with our ocean influence here in uh, Ferrisburg, Vermont, no less. You have a scallop dish that... He's making some friends. I do, yeah. So, like we spoke before, it is uh, scallops from Nancy. Uh, yes, I've worked in, with uh, for years up in Stonington, Maine. Yes, and uh, this is a seared scallop entree rather than the crudo we talked about. So, uh, it's four of these beautiful little scallops seared uh, with a little bit of salt and espelette and butter, and then they get sprayed with lemon juice. Um, and on the plate, it's uh, we got this beautiful white asparagus from France. Um, mm. Yeah, very, very luxurious, big stocks. It's only around two weeks of the year. It's one of the most luxurious ingredients. Right. So when I saw it on the availability list, I got excited. Yeah. Um, so we poach that, we peel that, we steep the peels in milk, and then we poach the asparagus in that milk to reconstitute the asparagus flavor and to try not to have any waste from the peels. Because you do have to peel the white asparagus. It's more fibrous than green. Right. Um, and then it also gets a spinach puree. And the spinach comes from Trillium Hill Farm, um, local, 10 minutes down the road. Excellent. Uh, spinach puree is really rich and dark and green and irony. It tastes yeah, like the earth. And sure. Then, um, a sunchoke puree as well for some white color. Um, and the real shiner is this, uh, make this bur champagne berblanc. Uh, and then we spike it with smoked trout roe at the last second. So wow. That goes on the plate. Um, so the flavors are kind of like, and also pickled purple radishes. Um, so the flavors go really meaty from the smoked trout roe and smooth from the purees. And the green irony spinach really plays a nice, and then asparagus is just pure luxury. Wow. Yeah. What do you pair that with? Because there's a, a lot of different flavors. I would pair it with um, something on the like Riesling side almost. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yes, I see that because that's going to you're going to have enough sweetness. The sweetness from the scallops yes. naturally, I think, would be nice with that. But um, then you've got earthy notes coming in from the spinach. You yeah. have a little bit of sharpness, not spice necessarily, but sharpness. It also go great with an albarino, which is a sharp, uh, yes. crisp white. Yes. Yeah. More more crisp. Yeah. I like the riesling better because that's going to that's going to give more of a of a smooth note if you uh, if you take a bite and then take a sip it's going to make both taste better yes yes I agree. yeah um, and that one's selling we actually sold out last night um, excellent terrific now what do we ask for when we ask for that um, that's our Nancy's seared scallops Nancy's seared scallop and it is we have one more week I just placed my last order with Nancy um, this week so no more after next week for uh, almost until December Wow. Why the seasonality with the scallops? Are they uh, are they um, she's just particular, they... and she's she's really focused on sustainability, and she only gives the best. And so this is when she she shuts off. How interesting. Yeah. Wow. It, she kind of runs the game. She that. does. Yeah. She does, and it's great to know that she has that kind of awareness, that kind of a conscience, of course, but that type of awareness of the long-term effects if i mean she could go out and catch those things week in and week out there's certainly demand from chefs like you and i'm sure many many others yes. but at some point the ocean's going to call and say we're out of scallops yep so she's she's being so wise yeah. and being a great steward isn't that a great story love food and wine with a story chef robert smith this is a uh, great stuff we appreciate it thanks for coming by bruce oh it's always a pleasure and uh, we'll be back here at the starry night cafe in ferrisburg vermont right here on route 7. bruce newberry the food dude